Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Hello and welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. We took a little bit of a break from the podcast, but we are back, baby. Today, I have a solo podcast episode for you. Partly because last month was a little bit of a mess. Um, I was finishing up this really big project and so I needed some time off from YouTube videos and podcasts and newsletters and such and so I did not really have time to arrange guests to come on the show. But the second reason is that I actually feel like I enjoy doing the solo podcast episodes more than I do the guest interviews. They're great, of course. All of the guests that I've had on the show have been a pleasure to talk to, but I feel like I really enjoy having the creative control over a solo episode, and it feels more like I'm just having a conversation with the people that are listening. And then I actually did a poll on Instagram asking you guys whether you preferred solo episodes or interviews and the results were overwhelmingly in favor of the solo episodes. And then I actually just started working with my assistant this week, uh, last week for those of you listening in the future, and she actually suggested that I do more solo episodes. She said that she preferred those and she was like, I don't know if your analytics support it, but I think you should do more solo episodes. And I was like, yeah, the analytics actually do support it the solo episodes get more listens and so it's like if the solo episodes are more enjoyable for me they take less planning and coordination because I don't have to invite a guest and you guys seem to prefer them why am I not doing more of those and I thought about that I feel like the thing is that I feel like I have to prove myself in some way like oh I have a fancy and professional podcast and I interview people and it's all organized. Um, But in reality, I think there's nothing wrong with just having sort of a free form monologue, basically. I was going to say conversation, but obviously you guys can't respond. So I just feel like I'm having a conversation by myself. So for today's episode, I thought I would do a little bit of a Q&A. And basically what I did was I went back into my Instagram stories. I think I did a Q&A video a couple of weeks back. And so I asked you guys to send in questions for that. Obviously, I couldn't get around to all of the questions, so today's episode is for the leftovers. But just because they're the leftovers does not mean they are not interesting. I just didn't have time for them, so I'm very excited to talk about them today. The first question that I'm going to answer today is how do you make your videos aesthetically pleasing? Which is a very, very broad question. First of all, thank you for saying that my videos are aesthetic. That is my goal, so if I achieve that in your eyes, um, then I feel like I've succeeded. So basically, I took some notes on all these questions and what I want to say beforehand. So what I said was, I think that making videos aesthetically, at least in my process, comes down to three main things. The camera, the color grading, and the shot composition. So first of all, let's start with the camera. Um, When I started on YouTube, I was using my Nikon D5200. So this was a camera that I got... I believe my eighth grade year, so when I was in middle school. This is my very first DSLR camera. I loved it so much, I was so excited about it. I used it to shoot um, some photos for the very first blog that I had. I used it for a lot of the senior portrait shoots that I did, the majority of them. So that worked okay. Honestly, using that camera for senior portrait shoots was a struggle because the autofocus was not very good. So 
I was just constantly battling with the camera to try and make it focus on the person's face. And it's nothing like when I'm just shooting blog photos at home because I can take all the time I want. But when it's a person who has paid for a specific length of shoot, I would just get really nervous and anxious about making the best use of their time and thus having to get the camera working really quickly. So anyways, that was what I started with on YouTube. Um, the focus also posed problems when I was filming videos. If I look back at some of my old videos, like straight up my face was not in focus in some of them and I just uploaded that to the internet. After that, I purchased a Canon G7X Mark II and this was such an improvement, such a glow up for my YouTube channel. So this is a point and shoot camera. It's not a DSLR, but it costs the same as my Nikon D5200. So it is a very good camera. Um, in case you're interested in the technical details, it can shoot 60 frames per second at 1080p. So that was a big selling point for me because my Nikon was kind of crappy. It can only do 1080p at 30 frames per second and then 720p if you wanted 60 frames per second. And I was a pretty big fan of that style where you slow down the footage to half speed. And so to do that, you need to shoot at at least 60 because to upload to YouTube and not look all choppy, it has to be 30 frames per second. This camera was very good at autofocus and it was very good at making the background look nice and blurry. And I feel like before I understood anything about photography, and I mean this with no offense at all, but like to people who don't really understand the technicalities of photography, videography, how cameras work, I feel like when they see a photo that just has a super blurry background, they're automatically impressed. And so the Canon achieved that. The last camera, my most recent camera acquisition was a Nikon Z6. And for that camera, I also purchased a 35 millimeter F 1.8 lens. This, oh my gosh, I love this lens. The nice thing about a 35 millimeter lens is that it like, it zooms out more than a 50 millimeter. So I used a 50 millimeter for a lot of my senior portrait shoots and you would have to get pretty far away from the person in order to have all of them in the frame, which was fine because I did most of my senior portrait shoots outside so I could back up as much as I wanted. However, with YouTube videos, I'm usually working in my room and so I just can't back up far enough from my desk or my bed or my shelves or whatever it is that I'm shooting in order to get a nice wide shot. So they do say that the equipment does not make the photographer and I completely agree with that. I think that working with that first camera, that Nikon D5200, and doing senior portrait shoots with it, struggling through the senior portrait shoots, made me a better photographer because I had to work around some of its limitations. When I got the Nikon Z6 and I started using it on senior portrait shoots, I literally felt like like I, there was nothing for me to do, you know? I just had to point the camera and take a picture because the autofocus was so insanely good, it locks on to the person's eye and so you just know that the photos will always be perfectly focused. However, I do think that the quality of my videos improved drastically as a result of using that Nikon Z6. So that is point number one of what I think makes my videos aesthetic. The second thing is the color grading. So color grading to a video is like applying a filter or a preset to a photo. Um, I am not super experienced in the technical details of color grading. I know that there is 
a lot to get into on that topic. Um, if you want to know how I color grade specifically, I did talk about it a little bit in my how I edit videos video. There's two of those out there, so be sure to watch the newer one because that represents my actual current process in Final Cut Pro as opposed to the first one which I did in Adobe Premiere. So the color grading just makes the colors look really nice and I basically designed this same um, same filter that I can drop over all of my videos and just edit it a little bit to make sure it looks good. But other than that, it's a pretty, pretty quick and automatic process that instantly makes the colors look nicer. Finally, point number three is shot composition. So I believe someone left a comment on one of my videos where they said something like, you can tell that you're a photographer by the way that you compose your shots. And that made me so happy. So I think this is one of those things that you can study a little bit. I took a photo, wait, I took two photography classes in high school and one videography class. And we did learn some stuff like the rule of thirds or yeah, I don't really remember anything else. I think that's as far as we got on shot composition. I feel like a lot of it is just, you take so many videos and you start to develop an eye for what looks interesting. And so filming uh, daily or weekly vlogs, I think part, part of the reason why that is kind of exhausting to me and I don't really like doing it that much is that I always feel like the shot has to look good. Like I can't just put the camera wherever, I have to put it somewhere where the lighting is good and all the objects in the frame are arranged in an aesthetically pleasing way, which just gets to be a lot of thinking and then I feel like I can't focus on anything else that day. So in summary, camera color grading and shot composition. But that is just for the visual beauty. Um, I think there are other kinds of beauty that go into a video as well, like the audio, the storyline, um, just little things that you add in when you're editing. Like for example, I really like to do little doodles and uh, handwritten text and things like that. There's this one video that comes to mind as a perfect example of a beautiful video. There's this YouTube channel called Your Girl Needs. Um, actually, I think she might be just Neens on YouTube, but then Your Girl Neens on Instagram. Anyways, she had a baby uh, about a year ago and they posted a birth vlog and there was this part of the video where I don't even know what it is about how they film their videos and how they choose their music, but it was the scene where we got to see the baby for the first time and the song was Sweet Dreams, Sweetheart by Ben Chandler. I looked this up, I had to find the song. At the 23 minute mark, it's not exactly that the beat drops because it's not like a dance song, but the song just changes. And at that moment, we got to see this baby and it was so emotional, I literally cried. Um, let's, let's play a clip of that song real quick. So I just feel like there is an infinite number of things that go into making a video aesthetic and I think when you start making videos is when you start noticing what other people did in their videos and then it's just a rabbit hole. You can never again watch a movie and just watch the movie. Once you take like a video class, a film class or something like that, you will always be noticing the shot composition, the color grading, the how the clips were edited together, yada yada yada.
The second question was, have you traveled to California? Yes, I've been to California a couple of times actually. So I think the first time was when my family and I, we drove literally from Wisconsin to California. That was an insane road trip. I was pretty young, so I don't remember much of it, but I'm sure it was exhausting to drive that far. So we visited San Diego on that trip. And then on another trip, we visited San Francisco, which I immediately fell in love with. Oh my goodness, I just loved how much greenery and like flowers there were spread throughout the city. I loved that it was by the water, the bridge was beautiful, the parks were beautiful, the climate was amazing. Oh, I was obsessed with the city, I wanted to move there. And then I think the next visit to California was when I had my nationals competition for future business leaders of America, which took place in Anaheim. So my family and I, since we were in California anyways, we decided to visit San Francisco again. Loved it just as much the second time. Um, and I think we visited Los Angeles as well, but like literally for a couple of hours. So. I don't have much to say on that. I didn't really see any of it. I do know that it's where a lot of YouTubers seem to go, either that or New York City. So we'll see if life leads me to either of those cities sometime. Five things that you would tell older and younger you. Oh my goodness, younger me. Okay, number one, things work out pretty well, at least up until age 20. So don't worry, don't stress about it. Things are gonna turn out okay. Number two, stop worrying about your weight. It literally doesn't matter and it will cause you a lot of mental distress and health issues, like physical health issues that you are not aware of at the moment. Number three, keep going with your blog. I know that it seems kind of silly right now and you're super shy about it, but really cool things happen with it, just trust me. Number four, take more photos and videos, whether it is of special occasions or everyday moments. You can't get those memories or those moments back, but photos and videos are one of the most accurate and tangible ways to almost travel back in time to them. And number five, enjoy school because even though it sucks sometimes and it feels like a lot of work, there are so many good parts of it that are just gonna end soon. So also go to more dances. When I was in high school, I went to three dances in total and I think there's like 12 over the course of the four years that you can go to. So I went to freshman homecoming and then junior prom and senior prom. And really the only reason I didn't go to the other dances was just pretty much out of laziness. I enjoyed freshman homecoming, it was great. But then every time another dance rolled around, I would just be like, oh, I'm too tired, I'll go to the next one. I don't wanna find a dress and get everything organized with my friends and yada yada. Then I went to junior prom and I was like, oh my gosh, I was missing out. So then I tried to go to senior homecoming, but I literally forgot to buy a ticket. They were on sale for I think four out of the five days in the week and I assumed they would be selling all week long so I went on what I thought was the last day. They were no longer selling tickets. I went to the office to try and get one and the secretary, the secretary was like, well, why didn't you come and buy a ticket any of the four days that they were being sold? Like really? Oh my gosh, it really scared me. I hate being criticized or yelled at in any slight way. I almost started crying, I just left. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to homecoming, whatever. I don't need a ticket, I'm fine, sorry. So yeah, those are the three that I went to. I wouldn't say that not going to more dances is a regret of mine per se. It just might've been fun, but I still had fun in high school. Okay, and then five things I would tell my older self 
Number one, call your parents and brother. I get to talk to them at the moment pretty much whenever I want because obviously I live with them, but once I move out, go to college, I really wanna make it a habit to still be regularly checking in with them. Number two, be more of a human being than a human doer. I feel like a lot of my life has just been about trying to do as much as possible and it probably wasn't until this most recent year that I started to kind of reconsider that. Number three then is related to that. Spend time with the people you love and make memories. Number four, feel free to make a career change even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else. Um, just a quick explanation on this. Sometimes I think about you know, what is my long-term plan? I don't think YouTube is something that I can do as my lifelong career. Neither is it something that I would want to do for decades and decades, nor do I think that it will actually be around for that long. We have no idea how technology and social media will change. Um, and so I've been thinking what other careers would interest me and I feel like there's a lot of different paths that I would like to explore. I often feel like my actions need to make sense and that I need to be able to explain all of my academic, career, and life decisions to other people, but I don't actually need to do that and so I just want to encourage my future self if there's something else that interests me and I want to pursue it, even if it does not fit with what um, past Patrice would have been interested in, go for it. You don't have to explain it to anyone but yourself. And finally, number five, dream big. That's pretty self-explanatory, dream big. Okay, the next question was five things that you genuinely cannot live without. So all of these will be very cheesy, I apologize in advance, but I wrote down music um, and then related to that Spotify, I use Spotify every day, I feel like all day long. Um, I actually was thinking recently, so my mom has a record player and it's super cool. She got Grimes's album Miss Anthropocene and we were listening to that over and over and I thought, huh, maybe I should get a record player. And then the thing that kept me from continuing down that thought path was I thought, no, I want to be able to have accurate Spotify wrapped results at the end of the year. So then I was thinking about, you know, we talk about big data, we talk about the, the documentary, The Social Dilemma, about how companies have access to so much of our data, so much of our lives, and we aren't even aware of the full consequences and risks of that. But in that moment where I did not want to listen to music on a record player because I wanted Spotify to have all of my complete listening data, I wanted this company to have all of my data. And I don't know how I feel about that. That was just an observation that I made. So feel free to let me know what you think of that. How do you feel about a company knowing all of your listening habits? And do you ever worry like I do that your Spotify wrapped results won't be completely accurate? Okay, so music, Spotify, and then I said internet and electricity. Uh, recently, a couple of days ago, our power went out and it was actually the day that I had to turn in that big project. I was almost done with it. I took a short break because I was super tired, so I went to watch a TV show with my dad, and in the middle of the TV show, the TV turned off, everything went completely dark. The power cut out for our entire neighborhood, so we could not see any lights out our windows. This was all caused by one raccoon. I don't know how that raccoon did it, but thousands of people in our city lost power for about 90 minutes because of that. 
Anyway, so the power went out and I thought, okay, my laptop holds a good charge. I'll just bring my laptop down here where we lit some candles. I'll keep working. Even if it's in the dark, I can still keep going. But our Wi-Fi wasn't working because that needed electricity. And then cellular data didn't work either, presumably because everyone in the neighborhood um, connected to data. And so the... I don't know, what are they called? The channels were just overloaded or something. So we didn't have electricity, we didn't have internet, and I was so shocked at how lost I felt. Like, personally, I'm pretty proud of my ability to be away from my phone. I have witnessed other people, like especially people my age, feeling really uncomfortable when they don't have their phone on them. And I guess luckily, I don't really experience that. But when our electricity and internet went out, I had no idea what to do with myself. I couldn't listen to music because my music was on Spotify. I couldn't work. I couldn't message people. I couldn't post on my Instagram stories. There was nothing I could do. And then I also could not live without my contacts slash my glasses. And then lastly, my computer. So I feel like if I really had to, I could live my life without a phone. I don't think I could get by without a computer. That would be really, really difficult. Another question was, what is a challenge growing up? And the first thing I wrote for that was seeing your parents' flaws and realizing that they're also just human beings, which makes so much sense, so I don't know why it's so shocking when you learn that. So I am 20 years old. I've been a legal adult for two years, but I don't know if I would say I entirely feel like an adult. And I don't think anyone fully at any point understands what's going on or like how life works, if that makes sense. When you're a little kid, you see your parents as these people who know everything, they can fix anything. Um, but then you get older and you start to see them making mistakes or not knowing everything or just behaving not like the all-powerful adults or all-knowing adults that you thought that they were. And that's a little difficult to get used to, but it also is comforting, I think, because as you become an adult, then you realize that there isn't really pressure to become the perfect human being because I don't think anyone ever really reaches that stage. I don't know, I feel like that got a bit more philosophical than I meant it to be. It's just you start to see your parents in a different light and that's kind of scary. And then the second thing I wrote down as a challenge for growing up is trying to grow out of the mold that you designed for yourself. So I feel like in middle school, early high school, I don't know, maybe throughout all of school, I kind of had a persona for myself and it was like the perfectionistic, studious, responsible one. And those are some parts of me, I guess. Um, I mean, the perfectionism part is something that I've been working on and I think I've gotten better at, but the studious and responsible, like there was nothing wrong with that. I just felt like there was more to my personality and it became a challenge to try and show that when that identity had sort of cemented itself and that was what people viewed me as. I think obviously my friends always knew what I was like, but other people, when they would first interact with me on any sort of personal level, I think some of them were surprised that I was more just casual and I would joke around more because they assumed that I was just very serious and I always had my head down and I was always working. And I feel like that has sort of been an evolution with my YouTube channel as well. I think I've been really able to come out of my shell more in my videos in this past year. Whereas before, I think there was more of that perfect persona presented that just didn't show the way that I like to go with the flow sometimes and joke around and just have fun. So I really, really liked Billie Eilish's recent 
um, Instagram post where she did that photo shoot. I believe it was for Vogue magazine, but they were very like revealing photos, whereas she has become known for pretty baggy clothes. And I, I believe she talked about how she wears baggy clothes so that she doesn't become sexualized because when she started in the music industry, she was less than 18 years old and she just didn't, I guess, want people looking at her body in that way. But she did this photo shoot and it was just so different and I absolutely loved it. And she talked about how in advance, before even posting the photos, before anyone saw them, she knew that there would be people who judged her and who would basically be like, oh, you used to dress this way and say this and this and yada yada. Now look at you putting these photos up. I found this quote from her. She said, I also think you shouldn't try to be a person that your old self would like and you shouldn't try to be a person that your future self is going to be. You should be exactly who you feel like you are and want to be in that moment. Otherwise, you're going to go insane. Billy, I agree with you. Alrighty, someone else asked, how do you balance work and college? So I did not answer this in the YouTube video because it does not really apply to me. I am not yet in college, but I can tell you what I am planning on doing. So honestly, I think my main strategy is just gonna be to try and go with the flow. I have no idea in advance what the workload or the schedule will be like. Um, and so there just isn't that much that I can plan. However, a few things that I'm doing are, as I said, I'm starting to work with a virtual assistant. So I just knew that I would no longer be able to handle everything for the Bliss Bean on my own, at least not continue producing at the quality and the frequency um, at which I produce currently. And I really wanted to keep that going. I didn't want to slow the Bliss Bean down. So I was like, you know what? It is time, it is time to get some help. And so far it has been absolutely amazing. Other than that, I think I'm just gonna be trying to use some of the same organization, planning, time management, etc. techniques that I used in high school. It worked pretty well then when I was managing um, and balancing high school and YouTube. And so fingers crossed that they will also help when balancing college and YouTube. And lastly, I think I'm just gonna try to not join too many extracurriculars extracurriculars, uh, the clubs and organizations that I was a part of were a huge part of my high school experience and I absolutely love them. However, I feel like I will not have time for that in college and so I kind of want to set that intention in advance. Like future Patrice, if you're listening to this, do not join clubs unless you are absolutely a hundred percent super passionate about it because you just do not have that much time, okay? So I was supposed to start college last year and I was going through that whole process. So they sent me uh, a survey to find a mentor for me. They had this mentorship society where they paired up freshman students with older students to kind of show them the ropes of the university. And I think one of the questions was like, what extracurricular activities and clubs do you plan on being a part of? And I was very honest. I said, yeah, probably none of them um, because I have this YouTube channel and that's gonna take up most of my time outside of school. One person asked about advice for finances in your early teens slash adulthood. So I think this is a topic that I would like to make a full podcast episode on, but just for now, I think that the best thing I did as a teenager was to get into the habit of tracking my spending. It was just really, really helpful to develop that awareness of where my money was going 
And that habit comes in handy as things start getting more complicated with your finances. And then second, I'm really glad that I opened my retirement account. I did that in 2020. So I think it's been about a year that I've had that. It is really cool to see how much it grows. Um, I have been doing that in Betterment, which is like a robo advisor. So I guess basically artificial intelligence or whatever is used to divide up your money amongst a bunch of different places for it to grow so that when you retire, you can cash out a lot more of it. And then the last question was, what is it like to live in Wisconsin? <laughs> I don't even know if my Midwestern accent is any good. Um, so my family, we're all from Lithuania. I was born in Lithuania. My parents were born in Lithuania. We moved here, I think, when I was about four or five years old. And the reason we chose Wisconsin was because my parents knew some other Lithuanian people that lived here. And I don't think they initially intended to stay here. I think it was just kind of a starting point since we knew some people and that would make it a lot easier of an adjustment. However, I just think they really like the city. It honestly has been a very nice place to grow up. I like Madison a lot. So they decided to stay and I've been living here for about 15, 16 years. So Madison has a population of 250,000 people. It's definitely mid-sized. I think it's nice to grow up in a city like that because it's not an overwhelmingly big city, but there's also still a lot going on and a lot to explore. Um, if you include some of the little surrounding towns or whatever they would be called, for example, Middleton, Fitchburg, and Verona, I was surprised that their populations did not count for Madison's population because I always just think of them as part of Madison, I guess. But if you add those in, then the population actually reaches 320,000. And that is no small city, I think. I looked up what are some Wisconsin stereotypes so some of the lists included things like cornfields, cheese, Midwestern accents, cold and snow, hunting, tailgating, saying the word bubbler instead of drinking fountain or water fountain, hating Chicago and Minnesota in professional sports, and brats. So, you know, yes, I think I'm pretty tolerant of cold and snow just because of the winters I've suffered through here. I don't think I have a Midwestern accent and neither does pretty much everyone I know. Maybe I just don't hear it, but I don't think we have accents. I definitely do not say bubbler. I either say water fountain or drinking fountain. I don't watch sports, so I don't hate any sports teams. Um, I guess I eat like cheese curds and broth sometimes, not, not an insane amount. And I really don't enjoy hunting or tailgating, even though I've never tried it, does not look appealing at all to me. So I really don't relate to that many of the Wisconsin stereotypes, but apparently that is how the rest of the country views us. So if you've never been to Wisconsin, that's kind of the image that Americans have of it. A few fun facts about Madison that I found for you. Madison is one of only two major U.S. cities that is built on an isthmus. So an isthmus, an isthmus, I can't say that word, is a narrow piece of land between two bodies of water. The other major U.S. city that is built like this is Seattle. So our Madison downtown is between two lakes, between Lake Monona and Mendota, and it is absolutely beautiful. Like, look up some pictures and just... It's so, it's so perfect for a postcard. 
a city that is in between two lakes. I, I actually really love it. I don't live downtown, so we only go there once in a while. Um, but every time I'm down there, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I love Madison so much. The second fun fact is that The Onion, the satirical newspaper, was actually founded by students at UW-Madison. I think UW-Madison has about 48,000 students and our population is 250,000. So it is very much a college town. In the future, I think I would like to move to a much bigger city, but you know, Madison will always have a special place in my heart. Alrighty, that is it for today's chatty Q&A episode. I don't have three takeaways because there was nothing to learn from this episode, I feel like. If anything stood out to you, I would love to hear what your personal takeaways were though. Today's action step though, I would love to hear what content you want to see on the Bliss Bean. So now that I finished that big project, I am working with my virtual assistant to get back into a regular schedule of content creation. It has been so much fun to get everything planned out and organized because you know how much I love planning and organization. So I just feel so inspired and energized again to make new stuff. Um, I would especially appreciate ideas for reels slash TikToks. I'm trying to get into that because I think that's what the kids are doing these days. But anything, uh, ideas for newsletters, podcasts, YouTube videos, I would love to hear it all. So feel free to email me, DM me, send me a telegram, however you want to reach me. My one recommendation for today, I mentioned this briefly when I talked about aesthetics in videos. Your Girl Needs. So it's Your Girl Needs on Instagram and Needs on YouTube. I don't think I've been following any creator as consistently and for as long as I have been following Nina. So I really admire her work ethic. I think she's a really inspirational person. Her video editing and fashion is just chef's kiss, top notch, so creative, so beautiful. And her family is really beautiful. So her kid blue just turned one year old and I just, ah, uh, whenever I see photos and videos, I just cannot. Like the cutest baby that I've ever seen, honestly. So highly recommend that account. Otherwise, I think that wraps up today's episode. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a great rest of your week. I'll see you in next week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at The Bliss Bean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.